Texas A&I, 6'1", 200, number 20, James Jefferson. From Eastern Michigan, six foot one eighty five, number twenty six, Charles Gordon. At halfback from Mississippi, six four two hundred, number three, Barry Will. At safety from Bishops, 5'11, 195, number 13, Tom Yura. The kicker from SFU. 5'11", 190, Pro Football's all-time leading scorer, number five, Louis Paseglia. And in only his second full season as the BC Lions 17th head coach, from 3 and 15 and 92 to today's Grey Cup championship game. Head coach of the Western Division champions, Dave Ritchie. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the BC Lions. Sixteen is McLennan. Emotions running tremendously high, as you saw during the playing of the national anthems. And for several members of the BC Lions, they have indicated this will be their farewell football appearance. And the crowd very early getting into the football game. And the 1994 Grey Cup game is underway, and Spencer McLennan will bring it back for the BC Lions. And he's upended as he gets to the 33-yard line. Boy has to go with an adjustment in their secondary. Petrie has to come in for uh, Charles Anthony, and will Ken Austin attack that area immediately? Austin indicated he'd like to flood his zone early in the football game, see what they're doing defensively. He throws to Clark, and Clark takes it up to the 44. That will be close to a first down. Ken Watson and Carl Anthony, two defensive backs who were victimized the previous time they met on October 22nd, combined on the tackle. Ken Austin coming out initially, and what he's going to do is he's going to throw to that wide side out. We talked about him not having much range and doing it to, between the hashes and the slots. James decided he wanted to test that Baltimore defense. Well, that's one of the things, and with that shoulder ailing, ailing him on the left side, you'll see Ken Austin more often than not throw to the right side of the field this afternoon. Ray Alexander lines up to the right side. He's the biggest receiver for the BC Lions, and he makes the catch at the 43 of Baltimore. And he made the tackle. 26 yards, Austin and Ray Alexander. And Austin completes his first two passes. This is the way the BC Lions 
line up offensively. They were hoping that they would be able to get Mike Trevathan into the lineup, but he is still out with health problems. And the key man in the receiving core, as he has been most of the season, is number 82, Darren Foody. They hoped they would be able to run the ball, and Corey Philpott, with the first running play of the game, takes the ball to the 40-yard line. Good thing to do. All of a sudden, the Ken Austin comes out. He's going to go with a mix-up of play selection, going to throw the ball wide side out, try to get him to spread out. He does an excellent job, a good play fake inside, holds the linebacker. He's going to throw the ball to... to Trevathan, then he comes back and used the big weapon that he's had all season long. Give it to Phil Fott and let him find the hole and get it down for some yardage. Second and seven for the Lions. Austin, out of the shotgun, looks to the sidelines, and it's over the head of Darren Flutie. You know, for so many years, brother Doug always had the flair for the dramatic until Darren made that end zone catch last week against Calgary. Well, I think that was just a prelude to a season as he's been consistent all year long, one of the better inside receivers in the CFL this season, and for him to make that catch and catapult BC into the Grey Cup was just a great capper to his season thus far. So on third down, Lou Pisaglia will attempt a 47-yard field goal. The all-time leading scorer This one down to the 19-yard line. They fake the reverse. Lester Smith comes to his left. And Sean Foody forces him out of bounds. Ball was fumbled right as Lester was went out of bounds, but he was the last person to touch it. Possession stays with Baltimore. A 19-yard return as Tracy Ham moves out to direct the attack for Baltimore. Ham likes to operate out of the shotgun. This year, 30 touchdown passes, 13 interceptions, a career that was rejuvenated after problems last year in Toronto. How will he cope with the noise? And the fans get into it immediately. Fake inside. James Jefferson intercepts. Are those cornerbacks looking back inside? Play fakes it inside, comes on the naked bootleg. He's got Wilson running right in between the seam between Jefferson and the halfback playing zone over top. But Jefferson makes a great athletic move, gets sky high, tips the ball, and able to make great concentration come up with the pick. Big turnover early in the football game. Jefferson with the interception. First and 10 BC from the Baltimore 47. And throws over the middle for a completion to Yo Murphy. Close to another first down. Well, the key is right now is that Austin has been getting the time by his offensive line. They've done the job up front against his pass rush. Everyone was very concerned about it as we get a look at the Baltimore defense. These four guys up front along with the linebackers are going to have to get to Austin, but the defense is going to have to tighten up, come with some zero coverage, and possibly cover these receivers a little tighter and slow down Austin's release. 
Short yardage offense on second and one for BC. Ryan Hansen in. Philpott goes out. Millington the ball carrier. And Millington gets down to the 22. When Sean Millington gets those shoulder pads lowered, he can be alone. Well, the key was, was Jamie Terrace pulling around for Sean Millington. What they did, they fold block. You bring the tackle, Vic Stevens down. Watch Jamie Terrace as he folds around, gets a seal on the corner, allowing Sean Millington that open lane downfield for that 14-yard gallop. This is a play that, that BC and Millington particularly have had great success, both against Edmonton and Calgary in the past two weeks running. From the 23, Austin into the end zone for Alexander! Intercepted by Carl Anthony. They ruled that Anthony came down with the ball inbounds. He was very close to the end line, but it is an interception for Carl Anthony as the Baltimore CFLers will take over. Second offensive play for Tracy Ham. His first pass was intercepted by Jefferson. First and ten from the 25. Hand off to Mike Pringle. Pringle follows the blocking of Guy Earl and will get a first down. He takes the ball up to the 39. A 14-yard run. It was Tyrone Chapman who forced him out of bounds. We get the tail end of that interception. We've seen two great athletic plays by Carl Anthony and James Jefferson. Concentration. Carl Anthony has been picked on a lot in the playoffs by both Winnipeg and Toronto, but he's came up big time and time again, and once again here in the Great Cup versus the BC Lions. Last week against Winnipeg, he scored the game's only touchdown on a fumble recovery. The only time this year that the defense has scored a touchdown for Baltimore. Pringle takes the ball out to the 42-yard line. That will be a pickup of about three. We're seeing a lot of emotion and a lot of scuffling going on on the field here early. And this is the type of game where you'll get players trying to gain that intimidating advantage as we get a look here at the Baltimore offensive line, which could be the key to the game if Baltimore is going to have any success this afternoon. A very solid receiving core with the league's top rushing game coming into the Grey Cup. And Robert Drummond, who replaced Mike Pringle in the semifinal against Toronto, has replaced Peter Tuipolotu who was injured last week against Winnipeg. Penalty flag before the play begins. Got a time count violation early in the game. The noise has become very evident that Tracy Ham is having trouble getting the signals out to the rest of his players. Time count violation. Baltimore number eight. Last week in Winnipeg, Don Matthews, prior to the Eastern Final, said he had concerns about crowd noise. He had even more concerns coming into BC Play Stadium with close to 60,000 people watching the action and roaring every time his team attempted to snap the football. They went to some earplugs. We'll tell you more about that in a moment. Here's Tracy Ham, and this is something BC did not want to see. Tracy Ham running the ball. He is so effective when he takes off, and he picks up a first down, taking the ball up to the 53. Excellent job in the BC secondary as far as covering all the receivers. Good job blocking by Baltimore, but as Tracy Ham drops straight back, he's looking down the field. 
Good shot at him there, but here is where Tracy has really become very, very good in the CFL. Running the ball, he's going to make this defense respect what he can do and scramble, and it puts a lot of stress on that defense to have to stay back and cover a man when he got a scrambling quarterback. In 1990, Tracy Ham ran for a league record for quarterbacks of 1,096 yards, and the man who set the league rushing record this year, Mike Pringle, is the ball carrier as he gets into B.C. territory, forced out by Charles Gordon. I think what we're seeing here is the pattern of what Baltimore likes to develop, the running game. When Tracy Ham escaped because of lack of discipline on the front of the B.C. defensive line opening up that huge seam, but now you see the surge of this offensive line starting to drive back the B.C. defenders, picking up five or six yards per run. And what appears to be an obvious passing down, Doug Peterson goes out and Tony Collier comes in as an extra defensive back. Second and five, Baltimore from the 52 of B.C. Here comes the blitz, the pass over the middle, almost intercepted by Charles Gordon. Tracy Ham had to hurry his throw, and over the middle, Charles Gordon came very close to BC's second interception of the afternoon. Henry Newby's coming right up the middle. He's going to force it, and he's going to come and make contact, as he can see. Tracy Ham can see him coming all the way and through the ball way before he really wanted to. This is a major key for BC to be able to get that kind of pressure on Tracy Ham earlier in this ballgame. Josh Miller this year led the CFL in punting average. Darren Foody is back along with Spencer McLennan. Foody moves up to the 20-yard line. And Flutie goes down at the 25. 7.52 remains in the opening quarter. Play Stadium need any encouragement from Crazy George to make noise. Austin's pass is complete. And Darren Flutie, who at times appears to have suction cups for hands, makes the catch at the 33. Well, his game has come full form as a receiver here in the CFL, become one of the more quality slot backs in the league. And the thing is, is that Baltimore is running zone. And when you run zone and you don't get the pressure on Ken Austin, those receivers will find an open spot. James, the thing about zone also, these are great possession receivers. They're not physical as much. If this Baltimore defense was to get out and play a little more physical with them, play man-to-man, -man, they would be more successful. Matt Goodwin, the rookie of the year, straightens up Corey Philpott, who was searching for a first down, and he got it before he was driven back. But this young man has had an amazing season. He came into the league as a cornerback. Don Matthews finally found a spot for him at a linebacker. Well, what Baltimore's defense is predicated on is athleticism. What they did was they went out and they found players that fit the mold of the scheme that they were playing, not trying to go out and get players that were out of position, and that's why they've been so successful. It's screened to Darren Flutie. He's being chased by Charles Anthony and Ken Watson, and Watson catches him. Anthony back in the ball game after being shaken up on the opening kickoff. Ken Austin having a tough time as far as just where he wants to throw that ball. His screen comes across to Darren Flutie. Now, as you're going to see this, you're going to catch it. This is a pass that's designed. He's supposed to catch it coming toward Ken Austin, make the break going up the field. He had to turn around, catch the ball behind him. It took him off the rhythm that they wanted to. He couldn't pick up any blocks, and Darren just did not have the speed to get outside and make the break away from any of those defenders. Pickup of one, it's second and nine BC, and you certainly notice the difference in crowd noise when BC scrimmages as to when 
Baltimore scrimmages, Ken Watson knocked the pass away from the intended receiver, Darren Flutie. So the D.C. Lions will be forced to punt for the first time in this football game. Well, one of the things right there, Ken Austin has been throwing the ball, but he hasn't been able to get that left arm up to crank it up for leverage. And you'll see the great break by Watson on the ball to tip it and deflect it as it was on its way to Flutie. But when Austin is throwing the ball, his left arm, he's not able to get it up and get that leverage as far as delivering the football. So the ball is taking some time to get that nice tight spiral, but it doesn't have that zip on it. Carl Anthony and Lester Smith are back for this third down punt by Lou Pisaglia. It will bounce out of bounds before Lester Smith gets an opportunity to play it at the 43-yard line. Only a 30-yard punt by Lou Pisaglia, who is as old as the BC Lion franchise. <laughs> This coverage team, especially the teams for BC, have done just an incredible job the last two weeks. Two key return men in the CFL, Henry Goat, Gizmo Williams for Edmonton, and Marvin Coleman out of Calgary. Both of them were shut down. These guys accept the challenge of getting down and covering the punts extremely well. The ball between the 43 and 44. Lined up in the I formation, a scatter formation. Off goes to Pringle. Pringle trying to go off tackle and he fights his way up to the 47 yard line where he's stacked up. Last week, Winnipeg at times had five, sometimes even six linebackers in there concentrating on stopping the running game. BC is trying to stop the running game as well, and now the Baltimore CFLers are trying to go with their hurry up offense. During the first half of the season, it looked as though Corey Philpott was going to shatter Willie Burton's 1975 record. But Philpott cooled off during the second half of the season, and Mike Pringle was like a runaway semi as he racked up yardage. Deep intended for Armstrong, incomplete. Charles Gordon went deep with the Baltimore slot back. Well, we got to take a look as Tracy Ham. It's a sprint throwback to the seam right at the last minute. Gordon's reaching out and he's trying to grab. You can see a little bit of a contact, not much at all. The ball just don't pass the outstretched arms of Armstrong. Tracy Ham trying to take something as far as taking this crowd out of the ball game early, making something big happen. 4 17 remaining in the opening quarter. Darren Flutie lets the ball bounce and picks it up, trapping a couple of players with inside, inside the five-yard restraining area. This is a throwback to the 1989 Grey Cup where he was injured, injured in the Western Final Championship game but got the start in the Grey Cup and led Saskatchewan to that thrilling 43-40 victory over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And has there ever been a more thrilling Grey Cup game than that one? Darren Flutie, who provided the thrills last week at McMahon Stadium in Calgary on the receiving end of two late passes from Danny McManus, had the Kent Austin throw go behind him. Austin now 5 of 9 for 54 yards, and he has had one pass intercepted, the end zone throw picked off by Carl Anthony. Well, I think that last throw was evident of Ken Austin's shoulder because he is not getting his left shoulder involved in his throwing motion, and that led the ball to be thrown behind his receiver on that last attempt. Second and 10, the ball is at the 32. This is where Baltimore likes to come after you. Pass 
pass is complete to Yo Murphy, and Murphy is stopped short of the first down. He was tackled at the 40-yard line by Matt Goodwin. But this is going to be a close call right here because he is stopped, but it is very, very close. But I think he's going to come up about a yard short according to the placement. We see Yo as he breaks it off inside. Anthony closes on him, but what Anthony does is that he pulls him back. He does not allow him to fight for that extra yardage, and that's what you do as a defensive back when you break down. But watch Ken Austin throw in motion. Look at the left shoulder. He is not able to get that shoulder up. It's bothering him. Very gamey quarterback. Probably has the highest threshold of any player in the CFL, and he's to get him a yard. And calls for quiet from the crowd as he gives the ball to Millington and he should have the first down. It looks like they had a good surge up front by those hogs up front and they did get the first down but BC is doing what they need to do to control the game. James I gotta talk to you I mean I would think he'd come up and try to take that quarterback sneak all by himself rather than hand the ball maybe two or three yards deep in the in the backfield. I know that his shoulder is hurt and he's not wanting to take a take a hit on it but at this time you know, I still think if it's frozen and they have a numbing in there, he's not supposed to feel anything. I know when I go to the dentist, I don't feel anything. <laughs> yeah, but with Sean Millington in the backfield, man, it's hard not to get that big horse to football. First and 10 from the 42, and the pass is off the fingertips of Alexander. And Alexander may have hurt his finger on that one. There's a flag on the field, across the field, and so this play may go for not look like Baltimore might have been offsides, and B.C. will end up with the first and five on this situation. It is an offside call against Baltimore, and Alexander is still rubbing his fingers. That one seemed to come right off the tip of one of his fingers. Well, normally when those balls Outside. come in quicker than what you expect, okay. watch his right we'll hand as it goes up here, and that ball deflects off the fingertips. As sometimes you'll get a dislocation or a sprained finger in those situations. You see, he doesn't wear the gloves. He's one of those receivers that likes to go out natural, so he really doesn't get any extra support. and five now BC the ball is at 47 Corey Philpott breaks into the open and he takes the ball to Baltimore's 43 stopped there by Ken Watson a 20-yard romp for Corey Philpott John Payne was saying they hope to establish a ground game early he lines up deep, they give the ball to him deep, and all he has to do is search. And this is what it's called. He searches out of way, turns his shoulders right at the last minute, finds just a little gap in that Baltimore defense, and he's able to pick up big yardage. And once again, the lead blocker on that play was Jamie Terrace. In 1988, Jamie Terrace played a slot back for the BC Lions in that breakup in Ottawa versus the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Intended for Yo Murphy, it's incomplete. Ken Watson was back defending. I would have to suggest right there, watching Yo Murphy come off the line of scrimmage, he didn't really even think that he was in the pattern, and Ken Austin decided to lay it out there in the corner route. The miscommunication in a game this crucial, everything has got to be communicated. You have got to be a disciplined athlete out there and run your responsibilities. I think Gerald Bayless had a little to do with that. He broke through freely, and Ken Austin had to get rid of that ball much sooner than what he expected. From the shotgun, Austin sends three receivers to the left. The pass over the middle intended for Darren Flutie. Charles Anthony knocked it down. Flutie turned to the official. 
looking for a flag, but there was no red nylon on the artificial turf here at BC Play Stadium. One the thing, watch this right here as he tries to make his move inside. The left arm of Charles Anthony gets in the chest of Darren Flutie, knocks him off his route, knocks him to his knees. That is the best way to eliminate a receiver. So if BC is going to be able to allow these guys to be able to get shots at them, it's imperative that they get off the jam. The Saglia's previous field goal came from 47 yards out. This is two yards longer. Not going to get it, Don. Nope, he is not going to make this one, and Lester Smith takes it at the five-yard line. Lester Smith has tremendous speed. He brings it back to the 30. He's tackled there by Dave Shaders. Well, that's one of the things that you do is you stretch the limits of a Lloyd Pasaglia, and he mentioned earlier, as you said, that he didn't have the leg strength that he had when he was younger. And now let's go down to the sideline to Mark Lee. Well, James, the entire Baltimore offensive linemen have decided to discard the special custom-fitted earplugs they had made earlier this week. They tried them in the first series, said it did cut down on the tremendous crowd noise, which has reached peaks of 110 decibels, but they found it hard to hear Tracy Ham. so now they're going to try to go without any ear protection. Ham has already been charged with one-time count violation. He dumps it off to Pringle. Pringle cuts back into the middle, and Doug Peterson tracks him down from behind. One of the things that Tracy Ham needs to do to eliminate the crowd noise here is to pick up some first downs, and if he can do that, he won't have to concern himself with the noise. You saw Austin earlier on a third down gamble ask for quiet from the crowd. How do you think they'd respond if Tracy Ham asked for quiet? <laughs> I don't know if they would be as accommodating, but, you know, we've come to the end of the first quarter here at BC Place with BC uh, with a 3-0 lead, and we're going to get one more play in before they end the quarter. and two. Baltimore now going with two tight ends. Borelli and Miller come into the ball game. It's called the elephant formation where you bring the offensive linemen in as tight ends trying to pick up the first down. Washington in motion across the formation. Final play of the opening quarter. Pringle tried to get outside and he's stopped. A huge play for the B.C. Lion defensive unit on the final play of the opening quarter. And the B.C. Lions are protecting a 47-yard field goal by Lou Fasagli as the only score of this game. Here's to the everyday things that end up being everything. Here's to all things simple with casual clothing and footwear from Marks. Darren Flutie are back for this third down punt by Josh Miller. It's a beauty. It chases McLennan back to his own 21. There's a penalty flag up around the 45-yard line. McLennan goes down at the 28. That was a 51-yard punt with a six-yard run back. Lester Smith was in on the stop. 
Jake Ireland is the referee this afternoon for this 82nd Grey Cup game. BC number 48, first down. And now let's swing down to the sidelines, and here's Steve Armitage. Don, the BC Lions are a little thin in the receiving core. They can ill afford to lose Ray Alexander on a recent play. He extended his finger. He popped it back in on the field, came over the doctor, and Bill Rochelle, the trainer, looked at it. They taped it up, and as you can see, he's back in the game. BC Lions leading by a score of 3-0, and Alexander came very close to hauling in an Austin throw in the end zone for a major score. Running play going nowhere. And Sean Millington picks up about a yard before he's driven back. 3-0. BC Lions lead it on a 47-yard field goal by Lou Pasaglia. And this is the statistical story of the first 15 minutes. Time of possession. Almost double favoring the BC Lions. And net yards, more than double the total accumulated so far by Baltimore. I think the biggest statistic right there is the inability of Baltimore to move the ball in the airway. Tracy Ham has not been able to find open receivers. Austin looking for Darren Flutie. He can't get both hands on it. He got his left hand outstretched but couldn't pull it in. And the BC Lions will be forced to punt. I think right now the true test is going to come for Baltimore. Can they put some points on the scoreboard? They cannot allow to keep going deeper and deeper in this game, allowing BC to gather momentum. And on that last play, Ken Austin finally was touched by a Baltimore defender. And the key was they tried to take him to the ground. You just don't want to stand around him. Don Matthews is going to see his team get the ball back in pretty good field position as Pasagli is back at his own five-yard line for this third down punt. They've only got one man back. One man Lester back. Smith. These guys have blocked a lot of punts this year for Baltimore. Excellent kick by Pasaglia. Smith has to go back to the 43, and he returns it to the 49. Ricardo Washington, number 45, was there for the tackle. Stop. All right, Don, comment now from one of our game day analysts, Ron Lancaster. Ron, the noise is not helping Tracy Ham, but I think his biggest problem is with uh, the B.C. defense. Well, you saw the statistics at the end of the quarter. The B.C. defense is shutting down Baltimore's offense. They're surely got 40 yards rushing, but that's not enough for Baltimore. They've got to run better. Matt, what Baltimore's got going for them is B.C. dominated the first quarter, but they're only down by three. You're exactly right. They've kept it close, and uh, although they've dominated, like you said, in every statistic, hey, they're only up by three points. First and ten from the 49. Under throwing is Walter Wilson. Baltimore, James, dressed an extra receiver for this game. Number five, Mike Alexander, because of their concerns about how far Walter Wilson would be able to go. Well, Walter Wilson, he's going to go. He's like Ken Austin. You came in with the separated shoulder. Mike Alexander is a huge receiver. Six foot five would be a tremendous target for Tracy Ham. But the thing now, regardless of who's playing receiver, he has to be able to get the ball to him. From the shotgun. Rolls to his left. Chapman is after him. The pass thrown up near the 45-yard line. Tom Europe came up to make the tackle. But Walter Wilson was able to hang on for a gain of 16. That's finished, Tracy Ham. If you only come with the four-man rush and you can't get any support on the corner, that allows him to get out, press the corner, find that open seam without any obstructions in front of him. Walter Wilson sat down when his quarterback got there. First down. He was dubbed the franchise earlier this year in Baltimore. Again, from the shotgun, Tracy Ham has some time. Now he's flushed out. 
being chased by Peterson, and then Angelo Snipes forces him out of bounds. Good disciplined defense in the secondary by BC that time. Tracy's key weapon when he starts scrambling. A lot of defensive players leave the respective responsibilities and come to chart chasing Tracy. Then he finds the open receiver. Well, As just... he scrambles outside, then he just gets outside. They lose containment, but right at the last minute, Angelo Snipes is able to come back up and be able to stop Tracy from picking up the first down. Dan, that will stop those linebackers from dropping so deep also in that secondary coverage, and it may open some stuff up underneath for the inside receivers. Second and six, Baltimore. This is where Tracy Ham is going to have a problem. Trying to operate from the shotgun. Incomplete as he was looking for Robert Drummond. They were hoping to get a matchup of Drummond against a BC linebacker. Well, Tony Collier was the guy that time that was covering Robert Drummond, and when you get a defensive back on Drummond, it's not going to be a mismatch. That time, Collier with great coverage. This guy here is a world-class sprinter. He has been timed in 4-2 in the 40, so they don't lose anything out there. It could be even a mismatch when you get this guy hooked up with any defensive back of the BC Lions. Drummond had gone off the field and now has to come in late as the 12th man in a field goal attempt by Igwe Bike from 47 yards. Short. Taken at the goal line by Spencer McLennan. BC fans will recall a game earlier this year against Edmonton where he returned a missed field goal 109 yards for a touchdown. The ball would have carried here inside. Austin completes the pass for a gain of about nine yards to Ray Alexander. He has a little extra tape on the ring finger on his right hand as a result of that earlier miscue. Little drag route, little rub route from the inside. That's number 89, Yo Murphy, that comes in and holds up the defender. That's Carl Anthony. That allows Ray Alexander to slide up underneath that man coverage and pick up nine yards. Second and one, and Corey Philpott is not going to get it. As a matter of fact, he's driven back. And I think, gentlemen, this is where Kent Austin's shoulder is a problem. He might be reluctant to carry the ball himself, second and short or third and short. Well, I would definitely say it's a problem because you're not going to risk it. But watch O.J. Bergantz as he submarines inside, knocks Philpott off stride and makes the play short of the first down. But with that ailing shoulder with Kent Austin, now you had a one-and-a-half-dimensional quarterback. Now you have a one-dimension quarterback. And the defense for Baltimore is going to get more and more cranked up and start teeing off on him. Similar kind of play that we saw on the, on the short yardage by Baltimore. O.J. stuffs it up, makes him bounce outside. And there's Matt Goodwin, the sure tackler for, Beast, for Baltimore, there to stop him short of the first down. Again, just one man back, and that's Lester Smith, but another big kick by Lou Pisaglia. Lester Smith brings it back to the 52, met there by Ricardo Washington, a 48-yard punt by Pisaglia, 10 yards on the return. This coverage team has done an excellent job so far early in part of this game of making sure that Tracy Ham doesn't get to start on a short field. One of the things Baltimore has to try to do now is pick up some first downs. They came up short on that last field goal attempt, but now 
If they're going to stay in this game, even though they're only down by three, it's a huge moral victory for the BC Lions at this point to go on almost halfway through, over halfway through the first half and not allow any points. First and 10 from the 51. Ham has to pull it down. He escapes the initial pressure, and then Andrew Stewart catches him from behind. Ham was fortunate that he was able to get up after he stumbled initially. One of the things Tracy did early in his career when he felt the pressure, he would run right away. Now he tries to buy more time, allowing his receivers to come open. As you see him searching around, the pressure shows up. He's still looking downfield for a receiver. He's not all that anxious to run, but the pressure gets there from the Lions. Second and 10 from the 51. Three receivers right, two to the left. Ham out of the shotgun. Drills it over the middle, and Chris Armstrong makes the catch at the 45. This is where that big offensive line of Baltimore does such an excellent job. Tracy from the shotgun has enough time to sit back there. And good athletic ability by Chris Armstrong to come across the middle, get down low on his knees, and make the reception. The leading receiver this year for Baltimore. Chris Armstrong keeps the drive alive, taking the ball to the B.C. 46-yard line. First and ten, Baltimore. Pass complete to Walter Wilson. He cuts back inside. He's looking for the end zone. He's cut from behind and dragged down at the nine-yard line by Tom Europe. 36 yards for Walter Wilson. And the shoulder injury that Mark Lee talked about early in the game didn't seem to be a problem on this play. Well, the slip screen in Baltimore executed it perfectly. Look at the huge offensive lineman getting downfield. Nick Subas with the key block, allowing Walter Wilson to get into the secondary. And he covered up at the end, protecting that shoulder as well as the football. But he is favoring the arm, as you see. Hand off to Pringle. Pringle. Cuts back inside and takes it down to the five-yard line. Well, Walter Wilson, I think, injured his leg, possibly his hamstring when he was running because normally a first half, the Canadian free safety out of Bishop University has showed well for himself in his first breakup. Mike Alexander comes into the ball game as Walter Wilson's replacement. A second down from the six. End zone toss, incomplete penalty flag, Joe Washington with Barry Wilburn all over him. And now Wilburn is going to try and convince the man in the striped shirt that there should be no flag, but I don't think he's going to win the argument. I don't think so either. I think the, the call is going to stand. Pass interference in the end zone and to come out to the one-yard line. Barry has been great on man-to-man -man coverage, but you're not allowed to mug a receiver once he gets downfield. He never let the jersey go. He was making contact all the way downfield. The official right on top. That's where the flag was thrown before the ball got there, holding on to the back of the jersey. Excessive contact. From the I formation or the scatter formation, it's first and goal from the one, and it's Mike Pringle. No call, still short. Great penetration by that B.C. defense. 
You know, what took, what was the problem there, Dan, that the play took so long in developing? You want to come with the straight dive, possibly go over the top. They tried to run off tackle, and as in running off tackle, Mike Pringle is trying to skate along and find a scene. You just got to bang up in there, put some hats on hats, and move that line of scrimmage. That's exactly, that's why they call it the search play, and that, there was just nowhere to go. Second and goal from the one. Pringle, the lone setback. Ham gives it to Pringle. He didn't get in. Pardon me, Ham faked to Pringle and carried it in himself. Everybody went for Mike Pringle. Even you. Even me. <laughs> and Tracy Ham carried it in himself. Well, Tracy Ham, very crafty, and that's the maturity of a Tracy Ham at quarterback. Understanding where the defense is going to concentrate all their efforts. Mike Pringle with the dive right up the middle. The naked boot put it in, pull it out. Angelo Snipes went for him. Tracy Walsh in for his first breakup. Donald Igway BK with the point after. And with 6.14 remaining in the first half, it's 7-3 Baltimore. Now, will the crowd in BC Place respond? Now that Baltimore has scored the first touchdown here in the game and BC is trailing for the first down, how will Ken Austin react and will the crowd be there supporting him still? Donald Igway BK kicking off for Baltimore. McLennan takes the ball, cuts back into the middle, and he went airborne as he was hit at the 31. 61-yard kick and 18 yards on the return for Spencer McLennan. You could see the emotion swing start to go Baltimore's way. Watch Matt Goodwin as he flies down recklessly. Sheldon Canley will finish it off once McLennan goes airborne. But this beast, this Baltimore defense and specialty teams are flying right now. What a great rookie that linebacker is. Huh? He plays every down defensively, works hard, gets out there on the specialty teams, and he gets down, and it's just pure heart and determination. First and ten from the 35. Intercepted by Walton. He laterals it off to Carl Anthony, and Anthony will get to the end zone. Walton intercepted and then alertly flipped it out to Carl Anthony, who took it in for the score. God, it was evident when it came in. You could see the crowd was flat. Baltimore was fired up defensively. The pass rush was getting on Ken Austin. Forced him to throw the ball quicker than what he expected. Watch as the pocket collapse around Austin. He's forced to get rid of the ball. And Walton coming across from his middle linebacker position made a great break. A former defensive back laterals the ball out to Charles Anthony. His second touchdown in as many weeks. Last week versus Winnipeg. And now versus Baltimore. Make that Carl Anthony. And Baltimore is up right now 13-3 in a very quiet B.C. place. A 44-yard interception return. Walton had 10, Carl Anthony 34. Donald Igwe BK adds the point after. And with 5.39 remaining in the half, Baltimore with two quick touchdowns. That's the great thing about defense is in a sense that when you play together, you have that sixth sense of knowing where everybody is the minute the ball is snapped. Spencer McLennan moves up to the 23-yard line. And he gets back to the 37-yard line. And that's where Kent Austin will scrimmage first and 10 after a 14-yard return by Spencer McLennan. You know, football is a team game to the, to the utmost. 
And when you look at one phase of your team, it's not clicking, and you come back. Specialty teams have worked for Baltimore and also their defenses. Now they have a pretty comfortable lead of 11 points, but Ken Austin has to find a way to get back in it. And one of the ways I feel to get back in, come back and be patient again. Start nickel and diamond this stuff. Throw it underneath the zones. I think he was taking it downtown a little too much. Run the ball and then set up that play-action stuff that he's got. He gives to Corey Philpott, and Philpott has a B.C. first down as he drives up to the 49-yard line. A run of 12 for Corey Philpott, and he was running hard. Well, that's one of the things that made Corey Philpott very successful early in the season was those quick hitters, but the guards, Denny Kronopoulos pulls out, Philpott finds the seam, and he explodes through there for 12 yards, and if he's running hard and he hits that seam properly, he can bust it a long way. 4.58 remaining in the half, first and 10 from the 49. Sean Millington this time the ball carrier. And he's going to be close to another first down, stopped by Tracy Gravelin. Coach Dave Ritchie talked about Sean Millington, talking about his maturity, how he had really arrived as both a man and as a professional athlete this year. Sean Millington is a big man. He's 6'2", about 230 pounds, and he makes the first guy miss him, and that's a guy that doesn't miss very often. That's Matt Goodwin, and he's got great power, great quick feet, and if they're able to have that success of running that ball, that's going to help to open up that short throwing stuff. Sean Millington has had more ball-carrying responsibilities in the playoffs. As a matter of fact, he's been the busier of the two backs. 131 yards in the two postseason games as opposed to 61 for Philpott. Well, when you've concentrated so much on him throughout the season as being the lead blocker, and now he comes as that changeup, and Danny alluded to earlier, nickel and diming, and that's what's occurring with the running game. This is a waste down right now for Ken Austin. This is one way he might want to air it out. And Sean Millington, again, that Western final in Calgary, that was a slippery turf out there. It was, a, it was a slow track to some extent. So you need a big, powerful guy like that. It's not conducive to a fleet-footed scat back like Corey Philpott. Second and inches. Sean Millington, the SFU product, carries inside the 50-yard line for a BC first down. that's good I know that's a good play they made the first down but when you're second and in inches sometimes that quarterback sneak is so important you're giving the ball that deep to a very tenacious penetrating defense that has already stopped you one time short of a first down I would say that all of a sudden Ken you got to play the whole game not just stand back there and throw the ball you're gonna have to take the hit every now and then run that quarterback sneak make sure that we get the first down they were able to get it with Millington they give it to Millington again. This time he'll get about three. Six of BC's seven first downs have been as a result of the rush. Well, right now they're trying to establish the running game because the pressure, if you go back to the interception that Walton picked off of Ken Austin, the pressure had started mounting against the BC quarterback. Now he needs to slow it down, which he has. One thing that's really important, I think, also, is that now this is a really solid possession drive for BC. More importantly, it keeps Tracy Ham on the sideline. That's the best defense. They had some momentum going, and Tracy would come out, and he likes to go for that home run ball early after scoring two already. Austin overthrows Matt Clark. And the BC Lions with 3.04 remaining. Kicking it to the corner. And 
and it will bounce out of bounds. A beautifully angled kick by Lou Pisaglia going out at the sixth. You've got the best on both worlds right there. The best field goal kicker in the history of the game. And the best punter in BC place. 2.43 remaining in the first half. Baltimore backed up to the six-yard line. Even though Baltimore leads this game 14-3, they've had they've struggled offensively. They really haven't been able to mount any drives other than the one touchdown and the big play to Walter Wilson. Now Tracy Ham needs to run some time off the clock and improve his team's field position. Mike Alexander remains in the ball game in place of the injured Walter Wilson. First and ten from the sixth. The handoff to Pringle, and Pringle will pick up about two before he's decked by Virgil Robertson. Andrew Stewart also came over to help in the tackle. BC plays this inside trap play just about as well as anybody in the league. They've got great people up front that can make piles, and that's one of them. Andrew Stewart working on fourth, forces it outside, and Virgil Robertson comes from the outside. Great position as far as the contained play, makes the tackle. Second and eight, Baltimore. The ball is at the Baltimore eight. Three receivers to the left. Intercepted, picked off by Charles Gordon. Touchdown, BC. in the Western semifinal that enabled the BC Lions to get to the Grey Cup, and he gets their first touchdown here we, at BC Play Stadium. We're going to see Gordon come in from this area over here, but Tracy Ham goes back in the pocket. He's looking here. As you see the pressure coming on Tracy Ham right there, Gordon comes from the backside, picks that one off. Ham never saw him, and it was a touchdown to result, and we've seen a defensive battle with big plays by the defensive backs. Turnabout's fair play in this case. Last time it was Ken Austin. They didn't see Austin, but at this time... Well, what we're going to get right here, Gordon's going to come out of here. Tracy Ham back here. He's looking in this area. Gordon will come across, and that's where the interception will occur because Tracy Ham never sees him, but a great break on the ball as he thought he had an open lane. Gordon comes underneath, picks off the ball, returns it in, picks up his blocking. Now BC is right back in striking distance after the touchdown. Smart blocking also down the field. That was Andrew Stewart that had some angles on the big tackle. Neil Fort holds up a bit. But here is another reason why that ball was thrown just slightly behind the intended receiver. The heat that the BC Lions has turned up in BC play. 14-10, Baltimore leads with 2-12 remaining in the first half. Found to win the semifinals against Edmonton and also against Calgary in a sense. When the offense is sputtering, they come up somehow big, whether it's special teams or in a pit by the defense. 
Lester Smith starts up from the 25-yard line, goes to the sidelines, and gets a couple of blocks, enabling him to return to the 50, where he's stopped by Henry Newby. That was a 26-yard run back, and good field position for Baltimore. Well, now Tracy Ham came out and made the mistake the last time, throwing from his end zone, throwing in the double coverage. Now he has to be more poised. If he's going to go back in that pocket, he needs to buy a little extra time. He saw the rush, get rid of the ball a little quicker, not allowing the break by the defensive backs, such as Charles Gordon. Last time Tracy Ham played in the Grey Cup game, it was right here at BC Play Stadium. He had three interceptions and two fumbles as Winnipeg beat his Edmonton Eskimos by a score of 52-11. He's had two interceptions today. This pass is complete to Washington. And Washington gets to the BC 43, stopped by Les Brown, but not before he gained 17 yards. Don, that was a perfect example on that play. Tracy Ham getting rid of the ball much quicker. As you'll see Washington on the out route, Ham getting the ball to him, allowing him to turn those shoulders upfield, pick up the extra yardage down for the first down in BC territory. Tracy using that great athletic ability of his of getting away from the rush and breaking containment outside, bought himself some extra time. 145 remaining in the half. Pringle the setback. Ham fakes to him. Oh, Les Brown almost picked off the third pass of the day for BC. The all-time career leader in the CFL with 87 interceptions. Right there is Tracy Ham. He fakes the inside handoff again. Andrew Stewart bites ever so slightly, but is able to recover. He comes back outside, puts a little pressure on, and it forces Tracy to throw it a little quicker than he wants to. And the veteran, Les Brown, makes a great defensive play on the ball. One that he would normally like to have back because that would be 88 picks. Second and 10 from the 43. 137 remaining in the half. Drummond, the ball carrier on the pass. And Drummond is going to take it down to the 11-yard line. A 32-yard gain for Drummond. He had a big play and a big touchdown on October 22nd, a similar type play when these two teams met in Baltimore. Well, this is the big play in the Baltimore Arsenal, putting the fullback out as a wide receiver, running the slip screen. Nick Subas, I've really been impressed with the center for Baltimore, getting downfield, picking up those blocks. He releases after he makes the snap, gets out in the flat, Drummond comes underneath, reads his blocks perfectly, down to the 11-yard line. First and 10, Baltimore, 120 remaining in the half. Hand off to Pringle, and Pringle gets to the 10. Then he's driven back. Doug Peterson made the tackle. Something the Baltimore coaching staff told their players, when you get hit, make sure you cover up the ball because BC does such an excellent job of tackling the football. Good inside play that time by the youngster, Doug Peterson. Follows the block down inside, is able to stop Mike Pringle before he's able to get up ahead of steam. This is the guy that's replacing Lynn Scribner, who they had hoped to have back for this game, but the hamstring just didn't come around. Second and nine, the ball is at the ten. Looking for Drummond at the two, good coverage by the safety, Tom Europe. This is the key of what they were hoping to do with Drummond. As he said, he's such a, a threat out there. They put him at the wide receiver. 
But again, Tracy is just getting nailed play after play after play, and he has to think about it when he's standing in the pocket a little too long to deliver that ball just before he wanted to. Well, those long developing routes, and that's been what Baltimore's been trying to execute for the most part this afternoon, but they need to come with a few more hots. They've had a lot of success on the slip screen. They need to find a way to get the ball to the receivers much quicker and keep, try to keep Tracy off of, off of his back. 17-yard field goal attempt for Donald Igwebike. Penalty flag as there was movement at the line of scrimmage. Igwebike puts it through. We're going to get offsides against BC. Move it up five. Baltimore might well decline the penalty, though. Keep the points. <laughs> They're on there. They're not going to get a first down anyway. BC, number double zero, decline, field goal is great. Austin out of the shotgun. Flips it to the sidelines, and it's intercepted by Watson. That one seemed to hang up there. It was intended for Yo Murphy, and Austin is down. He took a shot just as he released from Peyton and Pressburg. And that's one of the things we talked about as Austin throwing to the wide side as we see him down on the ground. In the opening stats, we talked about that you must hit Kim. Austin was the less seriously injured of the two. Tracy Ham flips it to the sidelines. He didn't have a receiver open. He threw it out of bounds. And he may be called for this. It's got to be grounded. He threw that ball intentionally out about 15 rows up in the BC place. Newby did an excellent job on a secondary contain because Tracy got outside, but we'll listen to the call. What Tracy's argument was on the play is that he had Washington out in the flat and that he was throwing the ball, and when the contact was made by the defender, it forced the ball to go high. Tracy was basically trying to save the down on the play as Newby came up, but Baltimore was flagged with the penalty. He may have had Washington in the flat, but not up in the stands. Quickly to Drummond. Drummond cuts back into the middle, and there he runs into some traffic. The big fullback does possess quickness once he gets his hands on the ball. 6'3", comes back in. It's the same play that they had run earlier. You just have to break down. He's bringing it right back into the pursuit, into the traffic. So as a defender, get in, get your feet up underneath you, settle down and grab a hold of some cloth. Don't let him get away from you. And that's exactly what this BC did. And of course, Baltimore, to give it to Equay BK to attempt a field goal. Now on his last field goal attempt, he overstrided. Don, you alluded to Louis saying that you have a depth perception problem here at BC Place. The plant of his... His planning foot is going to be so critical in this attempt of 47 yards. And he has also had problems from the right hash marks this year because he does have a tendency to push the ball. 47-yard attempt, and it's wide. Spencer McLennan comes out of the end zone. Wonderful return for McLennan. As he brings it back to the 22, stopped there by Shar Perdonis. What a great effort by this guy to get it out. Now you can see, hey, there's going to be a lot of noise going on out there. You think it's loud in the stands. You should hear it down on the field. 
Well, this is a game for all the marbles, so players are playing with a lot of intensity, and we get Danny McManus coming into the game for his first series, but only seven seconds to go in the first half. Well, he's going to come in, basically kill the first half, have a chance to go into the locker room at halftime, regroup, and come out with his own game plan. Danny, that winning drive in Calgary was a masterful piece of quarterbacking. Incredible, and an effort, total team effort as far as offensive line, Darren Flutie, Danny Mackin. But guys, I've seen this movie before a couple of times. Ken Austin gets down, he gets hurt, BC gets behind, and all of a sudden, Danny Mack comes in. And I guarantee you, he may have a big S on the back, of, on, the, on his chest if you take that jersey off of him. Well, Superman is going to simply take the final seconds off the clock. And the BC Lions, after the last interception by Ken Watson, will be quite relieved to go to the dressing room here at BC Play Stadium in a win over the Edmonton Eskimos. Lester Smith on the kickoff return brings it back to the 37-yard line, tackled there by Ryan Hansen. 13 yards on the rundown. Didn't waste any time getting down and showing that emotion, and this is where it really is crucial for BC to go down, as Ron Lancaster said, get down there, shut them down quickly, two and out, give the ball back into either Austin or McManus's hands. Don Matthews spoke about making adjustments in the locker room at halftime. He was in the same position back in 1983, going into the locker room with a 17-7 lead, and his offense was shut down at that point. His offense has played poor in the first half, did the adjustments that he make will get his offense kick-started. We will see. Hand off to Pringle, and Pringle is caught from behind. Good play by Andrew Stewart. He has made a couple of big defensive moves for the BC Lions. We look at Tracy Ham here, and he is the key in pulling this trigger on the offense. We talked in opening about the offensive line controlling the tempo, giving Tracy Ham the time. His number's not that bad in the first half, 7 to 15, but the two interceptions were really key in the failure that they had offensively not being able to move the ball consistently. Ham sends three receivers wide to the right. Mike Alexander is the lone receiver left. Ham from the shotgun. Pulls it down, and he'll try and run for a first down. He'll get it, and he'll get more sliding into the 50 of the B.C. Lions. Something they did not want to let Tracy Ham do, the B.C. Lion defense, was him to run the ball as successfully as he has. Well, Tracy Ham has always possessed the ability to escape the pass rush. As you see right here, as he pulls it down, he's off and he's going to run. That's what he had made up his mind to do. He carried the ball in his left hand, but he knows that he needs to do whatever it takes to get his team rolling, and if it's him running the ball, he will do it. Ham ran for 21 yards. It's first and 10. The ball is at the 49 of D.C. Ham gives to Pringle. He finds a hole. Excellent tackle by Tom Europe. And again, we point out the comment of Dave Ritchie about Tom Europe being one of the best tackling safeties in the entire league. He commented very strongly. And he's very positive about that young safety. But here's the point where Virgil Robinson, out of your lap, part of your screen, gets upfield way too far. And it gives just a huge running lane for Mike Pringle to find. And if you give him just a little area, he's going to find it. But you give him something you can drive a truck through, he's going to pick up big yardage for you. Second and two, BC showing blitz, and they got trapped as they crossed the line of scrimmage prior to the ball. The contact was made, then they would call that penalty. But as you said, John Earl moved off the left side. The guy Earl, I should say, moved in the jump, but they did call offsides against Doug Pedersen. 
The penalty gives Baltimore a first down at the 36 of D.C. Three times this year, Mike Pringle had games where he ran for better than 200 yards, including back-to-back -back against B.C. and Winnipeg. Ham can't find a receiver, and he'll run it again and pick up nine more. Don Matthews felt that Tracy Ham could be a key component of his offense running the football if the receivers were covered. As a middle linebacker a long time, you thought that you would never get beaten if the quarterback runs the ball. If you do your job, do your responsibility in the secondary and your front line, then therefore if you force the quarterback to run, you have done your job. Then you can think that you come up and make those tackles. They're not giving up the big play. More importantly, they are covering those receivers downfield. Early in his career, like most rookie quarterbacks, Tracy Ham had problems reading defenses. He ran then out of necessity. Now he doesn't run as often because he doesn't have to. But with his receivers covered today, he has been forced to run, and he's done it successfully. The toss to Drummond. Drummond on the reverse, looking downfield for Tracy Ham, faking as though he was going to throw, and Drummond picks up a first down. Well, actually, Don, what they had was a throwback play that time. They came with a pitch to Robert Drummond, but the pitch was low, and he didn't get a clean handle on it. As he fumbled the ball, it was going to be a throwback to Tracy Ham, but the athleticism of a Robert Drummond allows him to turn the corner and pick up the first down to keep the drive alive. First and 10, the ball is at the 15 of B.C. 11:41 remaining in the third quarter. 17-10, Baltimore leads B.C. Receivers to the right. Walter Wilson apparently is finished for the day. Alexander will remain in. Pringle, the ball carrier. And Pringle is tackled by Angelo Snipes after a gain of about three or four. Take a look as Angelo Snipes comes in, and he's just taking in one on one against Robert Drummond, squeezing it down tight. Drummond does an excellent job of getting his pads low, gets down inside, and is able to force Angelo Snipes to go outside of him, and that allowed just a little bit of running room inside for Mike Pringle. Second and seven, Baltimore. Ham is caught and dropped by Newby. was looking to his left, but Henry Newby did not give him a chance to throw. Well, the key was is that BC came up in the box and blitzed. They put, they outnumbered the Baltimore players. Newby came through inside, but Mike Pringle has to go up and put a hat on that linebacker. You can't go in like that. You have to protect your linebacker better than that. Mike Pringle needs to stick his head in and help Tracy Ham out. You can see that Mike Pringle was very late coming in there. If he anticipates that that linebacker there, walk up there and put yourself in position where you can make the block. Igwe BK with a 26-yard field goal attempt and did as good as Baltimore doubles its lead over BC with 10-26. <laughs> Danny McManus at quarterback. He gives to Corey Philpott, who does some dancing to get to the outside and what appears to be a first down. 
The key asset here again is over and over is John Millington. This guy does it all. He carries the mail. Now he's the lead blocker on the I formation, fields off the corner, gets a little block there on that's Goodwin, and then it allows Corey Philpott to use those quick feet and pick up some additional yardage. 45 yards so far today on six carries. That's an excellent average for Corey Philpott. Displaying the form he did early in the season when many thought he would be the one to break Willie Burden's record. Quickly through the hole, and Corey Philpott gets up to the 53. What Danny McManus is doing now is buying himself time for when he does decide to pass the football because you're going to have this Baltimore defensive front playing kind of tentatively, and it will allow him the time to go back and observe the secondary to get his pass off within that comfort zone. Get those guys across the front board. Rob Smith, Denny Kronopoulos, Ian Sinclair, Jamie Terrace, and Vic Stevenson. They're the guys that's getting the job done. They talk there's a lot of battles taking place in the trenches. Right now, that offensive line of BC is winning. Philpott goes out, second and two. Hansen comes in. Millington kicks it to the outside. To the 25. For Sean Millington. What a bonus that is when you have two backs who are running the way Philpott and Millington are today. Great surge as he takes the ball. Now, what he wants to do, this is designed to go inside. Danny Kronopoulos pulls out, but he shows that quick feet and the power of running right through the tackle of Scott Miller, number 64. Gives the forearm right up into the face of number 17. That's Brooks and picks up another six or seven yards. Millington has carried seven times for 65 yards. Philpott seven times for 53 yards. It's Philpott again as Hansen goes out and the team's leading rusher comes into the ballgame. The first time today that the BC Lions have been inside the Baltimore 25-yard line. What has made the BC running game so successful today is the two guards, Jamie Terrace and Denny Kronopoulos. They have a fold block scheme that they've been utilizing where the tackle comes down, the guard folds around, seals that inside linebacker, allowing either Philpott or Millington to pick up the yardage on the running plays. Second and eight, three receivers wide to the right. McManus to throw for the first time since coming in. Can't find a receiver, and he won't get a chance to unload. Tracked down by former BC Lion O.J. Brigance. Gerald Bayless applied the original pressure. Persistence, persistence, again persistence by this guy. Look at the eyes of O.J. Played for the BC Lions last year, and Don Matthews knew to solidify his defense, he had to get this player as a free agent. He does great quick feet, tremendous individual, and just a good person. When you think about the Baltimore defense, they have the top two sackers from last year in the CFL, O.J. Brigance and Alfred Payton, anchoring those corners of the defensive line, and it was evident right there what that will do for your defense. 7-16 remaining in the third quarter. It's a fake. Darren Flutie has lots of room. This is a play that BC took out of Winnipeg's playbook 
The problem last week when Winnipeg attempted this against Baltimore, there was a lack of communication. Not everyone knew it was going to be executed. This time, Flutie ran it to perfection. Now take a look at this. Now Louis is going to come through, make the play, but here's where the key comes. Off the line, there's no containment out here. This guy's got to get out here. Look, now as he comes back out, Darren Flutie reads that. Nobody's anticipating going to take this. Sucks everything down inside. He's got the big guy, Louis Pasaglia, leading the block. He's got to go against Matt Goodwin. Darren Flutie does an excellent job. First and goal from inside the 10. The toss to Philpott, and Philpott drives down to about the two. Nine of BC's 10 first downs have been via the rush. Well, when you look at this game, when it all unfolds in the end, it's going to be a game of big plays, and especially teams have played a big role. You can never discount them within the CFL, and you saw that time it was evident on the fake. But Corey Zilpot and the offense has gotten a new lease on life right here. You can tell by the surge on that running play that BC has gotten the crowd and the momentum back. Ken Benson comes in as an extra linebacker as Michael Brooks, the safety, goes out. Second and goal. Short yardage offense is in. Sean Millington drives straight ahead and will be stopped at about the one. Now I can tell you right now, the way this BC, this BC offense is looking, everything is focused on the inside rushing game. And this Baltimore defense knows that too. They're attacking. I wouldn't be surprised in some place down here to see Danny Mack fake that inside handoff and take that naked bootleg and carry the bell into the end zone, very similar to we saw Tracy Ham do earlier in this game. 5.33 remaining in the third quarter, third and goal. McManus fakes, and Dan, you called it. He dives in for the touchdown. a football game going here at BC Place in the 82nd Grey Cup. BC is answering Baltimore tit for tat. I mean, you have to admire the courageousness of this BC team, the chances that Coach Dave Ritchie took on that fake field goal, and then Danny McManus being able to execute and follow it in with the, with the touchdown. Luke Masaglia at the point after. We've got a three-point ball game, which might be the most seriously hurt of the two BC quarterbacks. That was a suggestion earlier in the week, and that's why they wanted to start Kent Austin. Pringle on the kickoff return. And with 5.06 remaining, they'll scrimmage from the 33. Scatter formation. Gives to Pringle. He cuts it into the middle and takes it out to about the 42. He'll have a gain of eight. If Baltimore expects to keep BC at bay, this is what has to occur at this point. Their offensive line needs to really assert itself. They need to reestablish the line of scrimmage on every play, get out into the BC defenders, and allow the running game to keep going. Pringle line up behind Tracy Ham. Ham gives to Pringle and he gets into the clear and picks up a first down with a run of six stopped by Dave Chaters. 
This is one of the things when you're controlling the tempo. The offensive line, you see them coming off right here, getting into their blocks, standing up BC defenders. Everyone is upright. And when you can allow that to occur, Mike Pringle will make it easy running for him, finding those seams. As, Every we, as we saw earlier, this offensive line averages about 300 pounds. Chater sets the scale at about 250. So he really is fighting a heck of a battle in the middle. First and 10 from the 48. Handoff again to Pringle and up the middle. He is met and they try to drive him back, but his progress will be good for about three yards. BC's defense now is a situation that, that they can be a little more productive with things, take a little chance. If they stop Baltimore first and 10 and make them go second and eight, second and seven, anytime that Tracy lines up and he's second and one, second and two, it opens up his whole repertoire of plays out there. On second and seven, Shaders goes out. Collier comes in as a nickelback. And he moves over to line up against Alexander. Incomplete. It was intended for Washington. It was a high throw, and Barry Wilburn was defending against him. Well, that time, that was an errant throw by Tracy Ham. The pocket was there as the offensive line gave him the time to find Alexander downfield, but the ball was just too high and slightly on his back shoulder. When was the last time you saw a CFL game where they played 12 minutes of any quarter without throwing a pass? until the 12-minute mark of a quarter before they threw a pass. Flutie waits for the third down punt at the 19. And he's down as he gets it back to the 27. 247, the time remaining in the third quarter. He has had limited playing time this year. McManus throws deep for Alexander. Forty-three yards, McManus to Alexander. That is the extra dimension of a Danny McManus at quarterback. He can throw backside and he can throw backside deep. Alexander got behind the coverage of Anthony on the play, hauled it in with a fingertip reception. Great concentration on the football as he extends his body to bring it in to put BC in great field position at the 40-yard line. Alexander had an end zone pass in the first quarter go off his fingertips, and it became an interception. This is Corey Philpott inside the 35-yard line. Gravely and Peyton combined to bring him down. Danny Mack, this offensive line, Phil Pot, Millington, they're all doing an excellent job of making this Baltimore defense respect the rushing game inside. It sets up the play-action passes. It allows Danny Mack that extra second or two to go deep if he wants to. This will open up Danny Mack's whole repertoire if they continue to be successful running the football against Baltimore. Second and five. throws deep down the sidelines again this one is incomplete and again it was Ray Alexander he was looking for being covered by Carl Anthony trying to find success in the same spot Alexander 101 Alexander is six foot four Carl Anthony is about five nine and a half but Anthony with the great inside position and as a defensive back 
if you can utilize the sideline and driving that receiver over there, not allow him to fight back inside, you have the advantage, and Anthony won that battle. Anthony, or uh, Alexander was telling me yesterday, he says, I don't have great speed, but I do have a height advantage, and I'll try to use that against the shorter defensive backs of Baltimore. The Saglia's field goal try. The game is tied. Outstanding plays on both sides and on both sides of the football. Pringle is the kickoff return man for Baltimore, and he gets it out to the 37-yard line. Both teams take tremendous pride in the work of their special teams. Excellent pride, and as they know up here, that, that special team is a real true one-third of the ball game. It is crucial, and we both of us mentioned, as far as James and myself, how important it would be to whichever team was the most disciplined, get some of the breaks, and make big turnovers happen, specialty team-wise, has the best chance to win this football game. Now can Baltimore stem the tide? BC has gotten the crowd and the momentum once again. Three receivers wide to the right. Ham empties the backfield, rolls to his right. He has John Earl leading the way. Now he's forced the other way, and Newby is going to pull him down. Doug Peterson on the sack, relentless pressure by that young defensive lineman from Simon Fraser to make the big defensive play. Take a look now, as Tracy's going to go out, he's going to come back, they're going to try to force outside, come with also Chapman, but here comes the containment in the back. Nobody is losing their responsibilities, and they're able to corral him. If he's going to run it, he's going to have to run it right up the gut, and there's people there waiting for him. Now he has to take a thing, and that allows Peterson to come in and make the sack. Newby made the initial contact, Peterson finished the job. Second and 19. This should be the final play of the third quarter. Ham's in trouble again. Tyrone Chapman came charging across to take Tracy Ham down just shy of the 35-yard line on the final play of the third quarter here at BC Play Stadium. And the Lions are going to get the ball back to start the fourth quarter with the game tied at 20. Here's to the everyday things that end up being everything. Here's to all things simple with casual clothing and footwear from Marks. The game is tied. Josh Miller back at his own 20-yard line for this third down punt. Here's pressure up the middle. The left footer gets the kick away. Darren Flutie fields it at the 38. And Flutie goes down at the 42. Lester Smith was the first man downfield. Danny McManus coming on in relief of Kent Austin as he did in two playoff encounters has brought the Lions back into a tie the BC Lions have outrushed 
Baltimore, 154 to 130. And this comes as a major surprise when you look back at the game on October 22nd when Baltimore ran for 249 yards and BC managed just 45 yards along the McManus emerge as a BC hero once again. Flutie makes the catch at the 52. 16 yards, McManus to Flutie, the winning combination in the Western Final. All it takes is just a split second, but if you play zone, as I said, these are great possession receivers. They go out there, they're intelligent, they read that zone, they sit down exactly. And Flutie and McManus seem to have an uncanny sixth sense to know where exactly they're going to go when the ball is thrown. Hand off to Millington, and Millington gets a good block. Jamie Terrace got out ahead of Millington and sprung him for 17. Well, as we had alluded to it earlier in the broadcast, Jamie Terrace and Denny Kronopoulos, Jamie Terrace in 1988 was a slot back for the BC Lions. Watch as he folds around and gets around and seals Matt Goodwin, and that is the key. The guards have gotten the job done today for the BC Lions. That's why their running game has been so successful. And right at the last minute, you saw the safety, Michael Brooks, come up and try to throw a little body block in that. These are big guys. you got to come up there and wrap your arms up and grab some cloth and get him down on the turf. Another BC first down. Thirteen yards for Philpott. A lot of consideration was given to the size of the Baltimore offensive line coming into the game, but it's the quickness of the BC offensive line as we see the rushing numbers on the board right there. Sean Millington with 85, and this offensive line is getting off the ball quick getting into the defenders, creating seams. We'll go with Millington again. This time he's stopped as he gets to the 20-yard line. But what a tremendous one-two punch along the ground. Phil Pott, 11 carries for 80. Millington, 9 carries for 85. You get the, you don't know who it is. You got the lesser of two evils there. Who do you think you're going to try to take away? And one thing that can't be done right now is O.J. Brigance. He gets in there. He's been in this building before. He knows what it's all about. He's going to take away Sean Millington as he did on that first and ten play. Well, 22 remaining in the ball game. Second and eight, B.C. Hand off again to Millington, and he has stopped at the line of scrimmage. And that means Lou Pisaglia will come into the game to try and put B.C. in front. Well, as when it needed to be, Baltimore was able to bow up their backs and stop the running game. But we talked about the let, lack of passing in this game, and Danny McManus didn't want to risk a potential turnover, thought he would keep it on the ground. He was well within Louis Pisaglia field goal range and play it safe and come out with at least three points. Well, I'd have to suggest a little bit. They had so much momentum going prior to that, about five to six plays in a row. But all of a sudden, those two last rushing plays of BC, those guys didn't get off the line quite quickly. It didn't look like they were running with a lot of determination. And the BC Lions, since early in the first quarter, have the lead with 11.51 remaining from the 35, first and 10. being chased by Angelo Snipes and he throws it out of bounds. 
Lions. And that's something the Lions are doing. They're getting their two outside men, Snipes and Robertson, up into the face of Tracy Ham. Well, what Tracy Ham hasn't done here in the second half is found a way to slow down the rush. You have to come with some quick passes. In the first half, they had the slip screen working very effectively, and they've gone completely away from that. Feel that replay, Snipes, given his complaints about being held by Perdonis, but there was no call on it. He's just got to keep working hard. Do that speed rush on the outside again. Second and ten. Ham completes the pass to Pringle, and it comes loose. It's picked up by the Lions. They're ruling that the ground cannot make you fumble. They're going to give him the catch. Well, it wasn't that the ground could not create the fumble, but Mike Pringle was down, and the minute that instantaneous contact was made by Barry Wilburn, he's down on the ground already, and that's the call that the official was making. As soon as Barry Wilburn makes contact with Mike Pringle, he's down, but that ball, if we would have saw from another angle, may have came out prior to that. First and 10, Baltimore. They are at the 45. Washington has made the catch deep. And he takes it out of bounds at the BC 10 and a half. Five yards, Tracy Ham to Washington. Anytime that you lose a player the caliber of Walter Wilson, it doesn't look like you lose much speed or steps or receiving ability when you put a guy like Washington in there. This guy is 6'3", about 205 pounds with great burst of speed, and he's able to get wide open right down the middle of the defense, one-on-one, -on -one, against Barry Wilburn. He ran the post route, but at the end, he got a hand up in the face of Barry Wilburn, and Barry was complaining about it. And he had a le legitimate complaint, as we saw on the replay. Ham looks over the middle. Drummond can't make the catch. He had an open path to the end zone, but the pass was just a little behind him. You don't get that many opportunities in a football game to score touchdowns. That was one right there that Baltimore blew. They let it get away. Tracy Ham had Drummond circling. He was wide open. The linebacker missed him. Threw it behind him. BC made, made blown the coverage to allow Drummond to get that wide open. And that's one where Tracy needs to feel a little touch. Take a little bit off of that pass, but he, let, he threw it out there on the rope. Peterson goes out. Collier comes in as an extra defensive back for BC. Second and 10 from the 10 and a half. Tracy Ham on a quarterback draw. A little stutter step, the ball comes loose, and the B.C. Lions have got it. That ball's still alive. Two flags down. Collier comes up with the ball. And when you talk about letting opportunities get away, you got to go back to the missed pass of Tracy Ham to Robert Drummond, and then when he tried to make something extra happen, looked like he might have been stripped of the ball, and BC is going to come up with the possession. Well, I, the, the, the fumble was recovered by BC. The flags happened after the recovery took place, but let's listen to Jake Ireland. Major foul, face mask, Baltimore number 63. Number 13. 
is down. One penalty each way, and they occurred after the ball was recovered on the Tracy Ham fumble. By was hit with the illegal block as we see ham you have to tuck the ball away he's carrying it like a loaf of bread as he goes down the ball is knocked out by collier he's alert enough to pick it up and start running john earl grabbed him by the face mask and tried to make the tackle he got away from that carried the ball upfield and as he was running tom europe came with the illegal block in the back but a big play by bc to dodge that bullet and come out with the turnover I mentioned earlier in the game, the BC Lions do such a good job of trying to knock the ball loose. And they were able to take it away from Tracy Ham at the goal line. A huge fumble recovery by Tony Collier. Hand off to Phil Pot. He goes wide left. He stepped in the accelerator as he tried to turn the corner and will be very close to another first down. Let's go back again, just take another look at this fumble. Now look how Tracy's holding that ball. I'm not saying the quarterbacks don't get used to holding the ball, but you're in such a crucial area. He's holding it out there like a loaf of bread somewhere. Instead of having it tucked down and cut it, he knows he's going to get hit. And Collier came across and made sure and stripped the ball and also came up with the fumble recovery. Second and two. Give us to Philpott. He isn't going to get a first down. Alfred Payton made the tackle. Baltimore slanting up front, taking chances because when your offense doesn't put the points on the board, the onus comes back on your defense. You have to make the plays and get the ball back in the offensive team's hands, and that's what Baltimore is attempting. Quit time for one real gutsy call. Which isn't going to happen because I can see the punt team come on. So I'm at a little bit of advantage here, folks, and I'll admit to it. But I thought it was about third in a yard or so. At this point in time, I don't know if you go for it and keep the ball out of Tracy Ham's hands. Well, this would be a long two. It's about two yards for a first down. So it would be a chance. But BC has that fake in their arsenal. So you never know what may occur. I don't think they'd attempt it here. Leading by three with 8.20 remaining. Lester Smith takes the ball at the 50. And he brings it back into BC territory. Baltimore will scrimmage first and 10 from the 47. Sean Foody made the tackle after a 16-yard return. Lupus Saglia not happy with the kick. It only traveled 31 yards. That's exactly. So Tracy comes out here. He's starting on a very short field. Equay BK has had, kicked the field goal against uh, Winnipeg. It was 54 yards. So at this case, I mean, he's well in the range and uh, uh, within a play or two that would tie this game. But the key, Dan, is that he's missed two within that range this afternoon. So the accuracy hasn't been there. The distance might be, but the accuracy is the question mark. First and 10, Baltimore. Ham fakes. Looking for Armstrong for a block, and he gets it. He was motioning to Chris Armstrong, I need help. And Armstrong came back to throw a key block. Again, BC, that's a 21-yard game by Tracy Ham. This is a time when that defensive line up front, some of those linebackers outside, Angelo snapped. 
just did not get the responsibility as far as containing Tracy Ham. And this weird incorporates everybody. Sometimes you say those receivers aren't that tough. All you got to do is come out there and get your body in the way of Chapman as he did. That allowed Tracy Ham to pick up another six or seven yards. He's carried nine times for 86 yards. First and ten. The ball is at the 26th. The give is to Pringle. And Snipes is one of those who manages to roll him up as he picks up about two or three yards. Neil Fort was out attempting to lead the blocking, and Snipes bounced right off it. We spoke earlier in our opening about Baltimore's offensive line having to be able to control the tempo as we see Neil Fort pulling around a massive 350-pound offensive tackle up on Angelo Snipes. But Snipes able to get low, keep the center of balance, fight off the block, and make the stop on the play. Ford is appropriately named because he is one all by himself. Second and five. Here's pressure from Newby. Ham gets the pass away. Incomplete. Walter Wilson back into the ballgame. Tracy Ham had the right call once again. He let the ball get away. Watch the pressure from Newby up top. That's key. Subas was not able to get back quick enough. Ham had to let the ball go quicker than what he want. Washington was not able to run under it, but once again, you had a chance for a touchdown, and it got away. Jingwei Beke has had more success kicking from the left hash this year than from the right side, and he could tie this game with a 29-yard field goal. 6.34 remains. Might we see only the second overtime game in Grey Cup history? receivers wide to the right the toss goes to Corey Philpott and he picks up five BC is continuously trying to control the tempo of the game by running the ball and they've had a lot of success that's what slows down Alfred Payton and OJ Brigantz coming hard off the corners you see Sean Millington getting that that initial block down Alfred Payton he folds back in and makes the tackle but when those guys don't have a head of steam, it's hard for them to get to your quarterback. Lester Smith comes into the ball game as an extra DB. Walton goes out. And McManus will try and throw. And he complete. No, it's incomplete. Yo Murphy could not hang on up at the 45. He might have been just a little short of a first down anyway. But now the BC Lions will be forced to kick it away. Red, I thought you were exactly right. He's about two yards short, and that's what the receivers have to know. If it's crucial that you make the first down, you've got to run the drought to the first yardage marker and at least pick it up. If it, and also the same thing you got to do, not only pick up the yardage, but catch the ball once you get there. Now the tide swing can change ever so quickly in a situation. Baltimore, the last possession, was able to go down and tie this game up. Now BC two and out offensively. Baltimore back on the field very quickly with their offense. This is where they need a huge punt from their veteran, Lucas Aglia. Chapman is going to be onside. But Lester Smith catches the ball back at the 33, and he brings it out to the 42. Basaglia was kicking it to the sidelines in the event that it would take a bad bounce, and Chapman was onside. A 38-yard punt, nine yards on the return, 5.18 is the time remaining. BC had a 3-0 first-quarter lead, and Baltimore outscored the Lions 17-7 in the second. 
But BC had a 10-3 advantage in the third, and they each kicked a field goal in the fourth for a 23-23 tie. First and 10 from the 42, the give is to Pringle. It looked as though he was going to be stopped right at the line of scrimmage, and Andrew Stewart gets up and almost says, where did he go? <laughs> where did he go? He went behind that huge offensive line. Sharp Donish is pulling from his left offensive tackle. Very easy for Mike Pringle to hide behind him, but he lowers his head at the end of that run, and he runs right through Tom Europe and picks up another two yards second. For Wilson. Comes out wide to the left. And throws to Drummond, and he overthrows him. And again, another great opportunity. Drummond is standing out there all by himself. Tracy's just got to take his time and deliver the ball. And you look at the expression on his face. He knows he had Drummond exactly where he needed him and just miscued the throw. Dan, you touched on it earlier when you said that Tracy needed to know when to put some touch on the ball when he had Drummond on the crossing route down at the five-yard line. This time, he needed to put the ball on a rope where he had Drummond going up the sideline where he was uncovered, get the ball to him. It would have been a foot race if he had caught the ball. Not a very good one, but I, I tell you what, if Drummond catches the ball in stride, he is gone. The scenery when you chase him is not all that pretty. Flutie fields it at the 29. The ball comes loose. And the BC Lions get it back. Watch the impact of this blow that he will take. That will just dislodge him by Carl Anthony, who put the shoulder right squarely on the football. But McLennan was ever alert to dive in there and scoop the ball out, and then it was picked up by one of his teammates on the play. You'll see it right here, better blow. Watch Carl Anthony. That's football. That's intensity. You go in and you level them. You can see the back end of that football kind of hanging out of the side of Darren Flutie when he tried to tuck it away. But BC got away with one right there. You've got to be lucky to be good and good to be lucky. And that just happened right there that they didn't turn the ball over to Baltimore on the 25-yard line. 3.49 remaining. First and 10. The ball is at the 28. McManus fakes. He was looking out into the flat for Yo Murphy. It will be second and ten. Charles Anthony was running stride for stride with Murphy. The physical problem that McManus had coming into the game was the contusion in his right thigh. That's his plant leg. And when you're trying to deliver the football, you have to put a lot of pressure on it. And McManus hasn't seemed comfortable in trying to deliver his passes. Okay, guys. Tell me if I'm seeing a different game here, but all of a sudden, I'm seeing BC come out there, run the ball first and ten, Phil Pot, McMillan, Millen, Millington, and then keep running, keep running. Now they come out and want to start throwing the ball. Give themselves some production on that first and ten. Well, on second and ten, they're going to throw. There's no question about that. And McManus looks over for Alexander incomplete, and he protests to the official that he was interfered with by Urban Smith. Well, he might have a legitimate complaint, but I got to go back to what Dan Kepley said on that play. You got to come out on first down and pick up some positive yardage, not to put your quarterback in a second and long situation. Irv Smith was holding on the cloth early, but he let him go, and once the ball is not in the air, the official didn't call it. 
Could have went either way, but now, once again, Louis Pasagli is back in the game, Dan, because they went away from what they were having success with. And here it is. Louis has not been kicking that ball so deep, so Baltimore's going to get pretty good field position again. And with Lester Smith hurt, Carl Anthony is the punt return man. And again, an onside man. It's Chapman. Carl Anthony scoops it up. There's a penalty fly. We got to come back to this one somewhere because I don't even see where that no yards penalty existed there. 2.54, the time remaining. A 35-yard punt by Lou Pasaglia. This BC defense has held this team in all through the course of the whole game. It is time to come up big now. 23-23 is the score. Tracy Ham under pressure from Snipes and down he goes. towards quarterback Tracy Ham and Ham is hurt. And we talked earlier about the offensive line being a key guy. Earl could not get out from his left guard position to chip out on Angelo Snipes. He had a free run at Tracy Ham. Tracy Ham fell on the football. He's still down on the field. BC had trouble at quarterback. Now Con John Conjimi on the bench hasn't taken a snap all afternoon, hasn't played it since the game in Hamilton on August 17th, so he's quite rusty if he has to come into the game and answer the call with 242 to go in the Grey Cup. Call it a G block where the guard, as I say, Guy Earl steps out and takes the outside guy. He got it away just in time. Here comes the pressure. Down he goes. Andrew Stewart made the tackle. Welcome to BC Place. Signed, sealed, Andrew Stewart. One of the things when you get John Kajimi in the game and when you look at the BC defense, they know that they've lost the mobile quarterback in Tracy Ham that they must trace. chase. John Kajimi is a pocket passer, easy to track down. 55,000 fans have made this the noisiest place anywhere in the country. This time it was the other Earl brother, John Earl, who got beat right up the middle by Andrew Stewart. This is the time when you know you don't have a mobile quarterback back there. You've got to get make that block just for a little longer because he takes a little longer time to get rid of it. Good kick by Miller when they most desperately required one. Cody is back at his own 35, and he goes out of bounds at the 37. Against the Baltimore team today. This is the 13th Grey Cup game for Gene Gaines as a coach and a player. Corey Philpott, the ball carrier, stopped by O.J. Brigance. 159 the time remaining. Remember, the only gray overtime game in Grey Cup history, 1961. CNE Stadium in Toronto when Winnipeg beat Hamilton. And there's Gene Gaines. Four Grey Cup rings as a player, four as a coach. We had just an opportunity, a little Grey Cup trivia about a minute ago. 1981 Great Cup between Edmonton and Ottawa was tied 23-23. Second and seven. McManus now in trouble. Now he finds Alexander Roper. Can't hang on. No, they're ruling he's got the catch. And the ball came loose when he came down. A 34-yard strike. They're ruling that the ball 
hit the turf. There it is. We're going to take a real good look at it as he catches it. He has possession there. You can't see it. The ball is held. He still has it cradled under one arm when he comes out. He makes contact with the ground. The ball squirts out. The key is, though, you have to have control of the football. I can't say that Ray Alexander ever had control of the football as we see it right there. Two players, Irv Smith and Ray Alexander, fighting for a big break BC Lions. Got away with one right there. Big play by Gerald Bayless. As he got through on John Millington. There was a very controversial play in that game also. A double pass interference that involved Tony Gabriel and Gary Hayes, the defensive back. Corey Philpott, the ball carrier. And he takes it down to the 30-yard line on second and 12. And what a fitting situation for Louis Pasaglia. 40 years old. The BC Lions are 40 years old this year to come in and have an opportunity to win the BC Lions' first great cup at home at BC Place, 1994, the 82nd edition. The oldest player in the CFL, Lou Pasaglia, has a chance to be a Grey Cup hero to give the BC Lions a victory at home. A 27-yard winning field goal in the Western semifinal against Edmonton. They didn't need his convert in the Western final against Calgary. A 37-yard attempt for Pisaglia. Concentrating, I'm sure, on technique. The kick is up. It's wide. Anthony comes out of the end zone and gets it to the three with 104 remaining. Back in at quarterback, 104 remaining. Give us to Pringle. Alliance trying to pull the ball out of his grasp. The situation that Baltimore is facing here, if they don't get a first down, and if Josh Miller doesn't get off a booming punt, they're still going to be within Lou Pasaglia field goal range. And the game clock did not move. Now it is moving, but it was still showing 104. A little home bias. And BC still has one timeout left. Pasaglia may get an opportunity to redeem himself. intended for Wilson falls incomplete the biggest kick of Josh Miller's life will he have enough leg to get a 45 50 yard kickoff here at DC Place he's punting out of the end zone Les Brown tried to come up the middle Darren Flutie takes it at the 41 and Flutie gets inside the 35 28 seconds remaining. 23-23 is the score. The Lions will get another opportunity to win it with a kick. If he's able to kick the winning field goal. Phil Pott cuts it back inside and takes the ball down to the 32-yard line with 22 seconds remaining. Well, Lloyd Pasaglia, you get a look at Lloyd, the intensity, the concentration, the consummate professional right there, knew that he had that last attempt well within his range, pushed it, but that won't occur a second time if he gets the shot. 
Folks, it'll still come back to that one catch that was given to Ray Alexander in that call. On second down, Millington takes it to the 31. 11 seconds remaining. Now my question to you. Do you kick a field goal or do you punt it through the end zone for one point? I kick the field goal. I take the sure three. Leave no doubt about it. Lou Pasaglia with an opportunity for redemption. He can emerge as the Grey Cup hero. And Dave Ritchie can only wonder if his BC Lions will indeed be 1994's team of destiny. When it's it, the time is ended on the clock. This is it for the Grey Cup victory. Pasaglia's kick is up.